It's overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Craig Hoffman with you tonight and joining me now on the BetQL guest line to talk about Sam Howell. The fifth-round selection from North Carolina for the Commanders is Brendan Marks. He covers North Carolina and Duke. He's the beat reporter for those two squads for The Athletic. Brendan, appreciate the time, man. And uh, I, I guess I'll start here with Howell. I mean, I read Dane Brugler, your colleague for The Athletic. I read his mock on Friday morning of second and third rounds. And he had uh, Howell going to Washington at pick 47, how how surprised were you watching this draft to see this guy f- who you got to watch, obviously, up close over the last couple of years, fall all the way to the fifth round? Yeah, you know, watching the draft sort of unfold, it was sort of shocking to see in real time because this is a guy who, especially coming into this last season, was someone who was talked about as being not just a potential first-round pick, but potentially being like a top five, top ten pick, like – this was someone who, when you looked at the production that he had as a freshman and as a sophomore and where everything seemed to be tracking as a junior, there was some thought that he could end up being QB1 in this draft class. So certainly was surprised to see him fall as far as he did. I know that uh, obviously the junior season didn't go as well as some people would have hoped, and the draft process sort of poked some holes in Sam's game. But th- this is a guy who had a ton of production in college. He was able to elevate the play of his teammates around him, and uh, especially in the fifth round, I think that Washington got a steal. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned some of the holes that got poked through the process. You know, obviously, a lot of people in our audience, uh, we have some draft diehards, certainly, that listen to our station and people follow it along that, that are on top of everything. But if you're consuming it through the commander's lens, you, we spend so much time focusing on 11. Maybe you're not following every single prospect's path to this point. So can you take us from, like, senior his last year I should say at Carolina through this draft process and and what are some things that you were hearing as you talked to scouts and kind of followed his draft draft process as someone who was more interested in him than than say a a team and and on their side of things yeah absolutely so you know I I think it probably starts with going into last season uh Sam was coming off of a, a sophomore season where he you know had 3,600 passing yards through 30 touchdowns seven interceptions um, you know, completed 68, 69% of his passes. So, you know, he, he looked the part in, in every respect and was doing that with a full complement of NFL weapons. So was doing that with Javante Williams now in Denver, Michael Carter, uh, who's in New York with the Jets, doing it with Deami Brown, who's obviously there in Washington too, Daz Newsom in Chicago. So he, he had all of these awesome pieces and was doing the most with them. And scouts coming into last year were so curious to see, okay, what is he going to be able to do without all these guys? Because obviously they've gone on to do what they've done in the NFL and a lot of scouts who I spoke to before last season, even then the Baker Mayfield comparisons had started, um, you know, just because of their size, their stature, their, their you know, physicality, given their frame. Uh, and then this season happens, and without all of those pieces, Sam struggles at times. You know, basically every noticeable stat of his fell. You know, he threw more interceptions, fewer touchdowns, had a, a completion percentage reverted back to basically where it was when he was a freshman, uh, had his fewest passing yards, you know, his lowest yards per attempt. So, you know, lowest air yards per attempt, like everything about his game, I would I would say it didn't, you know, totally strip back to his freshman year level, but it definitely did revert to some extent. And so, you know, you start looking at why is that? It's okay, maybe he doesn't necessarily have the best pocket vision. Maybe uh, the scheme that he ran at North Carolina with so long ago is a little RPO heavy. It's a little quick read. You know, it's not him having to do a ton of process. You look at, okay, he didn't quite have the accuracy, still holds on to the ball a little bit too long at times. So there was a number of things, really. I mean, I, not to say that the the last year he played at North Carolina went as poorly as it could have, but you know, certainly it didn't go the way that I think anybody expected to, and, and that was the reason why he ended up falling where he did. 
How did he handle that? Because how you handle adversity is uh, pretty important for an NFL quarterback because you're going to face it. How do you handle that junior year? Yeah, I, I, you could tell that he was frustrated at times, I think. You know, this is a team that, um, you know, after his sophomore year, like I mentioned, with all those NFL weapons, they went to the Orange Bowl. And it was the first, you know, major bowl game for North Carolina in, in decades. And uh, last year was not that, not even close. So he, he definitely, I think you could tell, was frustrated. But he's never the guy to call anybody out, was never one to do anything other than take the blame for himself. You know, and I think that's probably one of the best aspects that Sam does bring as a prospect is, He's, he's completely unfazed, completely unrattled. I mean, when he's winning, you know, when he's beating top 10 teams, you know, as a freshman, as a sophomore, he's not getting overly excited. It's just, okay, this is sort of what I expect to do. And when they have some disappointing losses this season, it was, okay, I, I need to be better. So I, I think that he is able to take it all pretty well in stride. Um, I think, you know, certainly if you were in his position, you'd be frustrated with the way that things went when you were about to make the jump. But he handled it as well as I think anybody reasonably could have been expected to. Brendan Marks, who covers North Carolina and Duke for The Athletic, is with us here on Overtime. Craig Hoffman with you tonight on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. Um, he's a three-year starter, so he comes in, he he wins the job, and, and is immediately playing. He's not had the experience of sitting and having to watch and learn. How do you think he handles that if, say, you know, because they've got here in Washington, obviously they just signed Carson Wentz. Taylor Heineke, who was their starter last year, is going to be the backup. There's a chance he doesn't put on shoulder pads uh, on a game day all year long. How do you think he handles that? And and what is your confidence level in his ability to progress while not seeing the field? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I I think, you know, Sam probably understands the reality of the situation. I I think the best thing that you can say about Sam is that uh, his preparation is off the charts. So this is a guy who, even during the summer, you know, I remember sitting with Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator at North Carolina before last season started. And he said, you know, I'll get in here at seven in the morning or whatever, 630 in the morning. And and Sam's car is already parked outside. Uh, You know, Mac Brown would say, I'm leaving at night at 930. Sam's in the meeting room going over his notes by himself. You know, this is, you know, one of the stories that got passed around a lot at North Carolina was that, uh, you know, his freshman year, Mac Brown asked him, hey, Sam, you know, are you going to go out on a date? You know, do you have any plans for Valentine's Day? And he said, yep, I've got a date. And her name is Madden. So uh, this is a guy who just devours film, devours football, um, you know, just absolutely loves the game. So, you know, he'll do everything that he can to prepare himself if he's not getting, you know, the practice reps that we should expect him not to get. Um, but, you know, preparation has always been his strong suit. And I, I think, you know, if you're looking down the road at maybe what he be- could become, that's that's where you take the most confidence. I don't mean to be glib about this, um, but that is kind of lead to a funny place of like, okay, so his, his date is Madden, and like, look, let's not let's not read in too much to a joke that an 18 year old kid makes when he's a freshman in college. Um, but like, what's his like? What's his personality like? Is he liked about around the locker room? Is he a bit of a nerd? Does that come back to bite him? Like, I think especially here in Washington, where people are a little snake bitten by like know kind of how Kirk Cousins was and in the up and down journey of, of that whole experience and um, what you know I, I think it speaks well that Deami Brown called him 30 seconds after he was drafted I uh, got off the phone with Rivera and is like I'm so excited you're here so I, I don't want to just like put out a negative premise to the question but how, how well liked was he amongst teammates what's kind of his personality in the locker room because when we're talking about quarterback and the leadership ability that's obviously a part of the equation. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think, you know, Sam is definitely an introvert, you know, but, you know, the way I the way that I look at it and the way that I think has been sort of explained to me from people who are around him on a much more regular basis in the program is that he's an extroverted introvert. That makes sense. So, yeah. you know, when he needs to speak up, when he needs to, you know, tell the guys, OK, you're going to be here at this time at this place for this workout. 
he's more than capable of doing that, but he's not going to, he's not going to be leading the rah, rah, you know, pregame huddle. That's very much not in his bag. You know, he likes to go about doing his business. You know, he will show you the same on field demeanor after he throws a touchdown as after he throws an interception. You know, he is very, very even keeled, like, you know, steely calm, I would say almost, Um, but, but very well liked. And I think very well respected in the program. You know, this is a guy who, like we've talked about, came in as a true freshman, was coming into a horrible situation, you know, a team that had won five games the previous two years combined. And immediately he sort of became the guy. And uh, when he needed to, he ceded to sort of the older veterans in the locker room. And then as a junior, when he needed to step up and, you know, quite frankly, take some of the shots from the public on the chin about how the team struggles, he was willing to do that. So really mature, definitely not a rah-rah guy, but someone who's, who's well-liked, well-respected, and um, who goes about doing his business in a way that I think can be conducive to success at this level. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Justin Herbert, by the way, mega introvert, and uh, he's he seems to be doing okay. Uh, Brendan Marks yeah. <laughs> is with us here on 106.7 The Fan, writes for The Athletic about North Carolina and Duke. And so last thing I want to get to you is Yami Brown. Um, we mentioned him a couple times already. Uh, disappointing. There's no other way to put it. He was disappointing in, in his rookie year, and I'm sure he was disappointed in his rookie year, so I don't mean to put that on him externally. Uh, internally, they certainly wanted more, and he wanted more out of that. But you got to watch him over the course of multiple years. Can you take us back to how he developed at Carolina and you know what you think he's capable of in year two, uh, having a year of NFL experience under his belt? Yeah, you know, actually, I think I think sort of you look at the way that he developed in college, and it speaks to the way that, in theory, he, he should develop best at the NFL level because this is a guy who came in as a freshman, wasn't really needed, and didn't really do a whole lot. You know, he you know, had, I think, you know, maybe – 15, 20 catches as a freshman and then goes and goes immediately from that where I don't even think he had 200 yards in the season was just sort of a bit player. Sam Howell comes in. They sort of connected, especially on a deep ball sentiment. You know, that's Yami's bag. Uh, and he posts back-to-back thousand-yard season. So, you know, his, I think the, the most, the stat that I found to be the most interesting about him was that he immediately doubled his average, you know, uh, yards per catch from the time that he was a freshman to the time that Sam came in. Their chemistry on deep balls was just absolutely insane, whether it was post, whether it was double moves, whatever it may be. Um, I think the fact that he did take that year adjusting from high school to college, he was an incredibly physically talented guy, but I think had to focus on the mental side of things, had to concentrate more, not have as many silly drops as he did. Then he did that. And so I think you look at last year, like you mentioned, I think that he would admit that it was disappointing as well. But knowing what didn't go well and being able to look around and see, okay, here I have a guy in Terry who can set an example for me. I I know what is expected of me now. I think there's a lot of room for optimism that hopefully he can sort of follow a similar growth trajectory and hopefully have a much stronger second season. I think just as importantly, too, the fact that you mentioned Sam coming in with the big arm and, and the deep balls and the chemistry there, like, Taylor Heineke was not the quarterback for De'Ami Brown. And so uh, the, the, that, the deep ball game last year was was sadly missing here in Washington. So between Went, or with Wentz coming in, a guy who has a howitzer, uh, obviously number, former number two overall pick with, with all that talent, I think that's a, a good sign for De'Ami Brown as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I remember uh, before I covered Duke in North Carolina, I briefly covered the Panthers in Charlotte when Tyler Heineke and uh, Ron Rivera were still there at the end. And, um, you know, I know that they had struggles getting the ball to Curtis Samuel as well. So, uh, you know, being being able to bring in somebody like Wentz and, and to a lesser extent, Sam, if injuries happen, if he ends up getting a shot this season or down the road, um, the deep ball is Yami's best friend. It's Sam's best friend. And 
I'm sure Commanders fans wouldn't mind seeing the two of them link up a few more times. No doubt about it. And they'd also love to see Curtis Samuel, but that's a whole separate interview for a whole nother yeah. day after the year he had last year. Brendan, this was great. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, obviously, if uh, there's more North Carolina or Duke adjacent uh, Commanders types of things, we'll be giving you a call. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Brendan Marks of The Athletic with us on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. All right, let's react to everything he was just saying about Sam Howell and some more thoughts on what this pick means. And then Phil Longo was his coach at North Carolina, uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He was on with Grant Danny today. Great conversation. Want to play a little bit of that for you as well. Some of the best of what Coach Longo had to say. But let's get you involved next. 800-636-1067. What do you make of the Sam Howell pick? That's next. Your calls on the fam. Taking your calls on Sam Howell for the rest of the hour. Craig Hoffman with you on overtime here on 106.7. The fan, what do you make of the North Carolina quarterback being taken by Washington, not in the second, not in the third, not in the fourth, but with the first pick of the fifth round. To me, it's a no-brainer. Um, you have a guy who's got that high of potential at that position available to you at the fifth round when you need one and you have a spot for him, you, you got to take him. Um, at the end of the day, you can look at Sam Howell in one of two ways. You can look at him at the things that he is good at and the things that he is not. And when you look at... Howell's traits, and I'm, I'm going off Scout Sync right now from ESPN, like they, they basically give one through five grades on eight different things. So overall football traits and then quarterback-specific traits. His production, one's the best, five's the worst. His production was a one. He was super productive in North Carolina, especially as a sophomore. Um, as you just heard from Brendan Marks, like junior year, not quite as good, but still found a way to... to make some hay uh, in his final year at North Carolina. Height, weight, speed, he is undersized. No doubt about it. That has been a hindrance to plenty of quarterbacks. It has also not been a hindrance to others. And one of the guys that, as you'll hear from Phil Longo, his his quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator in North Carolina, um, there's guys like Drew Brees who have been just fine. And, and build-wise, he's actually very similar to Brees. A little bit bigger, actually, than Brees was coming out of Purdue and bigger than Brees played at over the years uh, in San Diego, and then ultimately in New Orleans. Um, durability, one, started every game all three years. Intangibles, they list him as a two. Again, one out of one through five, one being the best. He's got leadership skills. He's got uh, a great demeanor about him. There's just a lot to like there. And then on the quarterback-specific traits, they give him straight twos. Mental makeup, two. Accuracy, two. Release arm strength, two. Pocket mobility, two. He's got a lot to him. It's just the ceiling's only so high. He does have a big arm, though, which does raise that ceiling. Here's the, the scouting report, the, their final evaluation, again, from Scout Sync from ESPN. Howell has a strong build and a thick lower body, plus mobility and speed for the position. He comes from an RPO-heavy system and must adjust to more complex reads and anticipation throws in the NFL. He tends to lock on his primary target too long, doesn't always locate safeties playing center field. He has quick hands in the RPO game, and he shows an over-the-top delivery with some solid release quickness. When on the move and on certain throws from inside the pocket, his ball tends to flutter and or lose energy at the end. He has the best deep ball accuracy of any quarterback in the class. He has excellent touch, trajectory, and placement on deep ball, rail shots, which is like your, your sideline uh, type of deep ball. Uh, 
continuing on in vertical seam shots, obviously more up the middle of the field, uh, really kind of that quarter to, to third part of the field up the seams. Uh, he gets the ball out in a hurry in the quick game and does a very good job of leading his receivers to yards after the catch on those throws. However, he does have a big, he does not have a big catalog and his accuracy typically dips on anticipation throws, particularly in the intermediate range. His pocket passing mechanics need refinement. His feet tend to be frenzied at the top of his drop and he doesn't marry his feet to his eyes when going through progressions. He has a low ball, lower ball carriage. Uh, he pats the ball before nearly every throw, and he really gets enough weight transfer back to front, which leads to some of his throws nose-diving late on descent. Howell is good at sensing pressure and dealing with it, and he has above-average agility in the pocket. He's a highly effective runner because of his vision, strength, and toughness. That is a third-round pick that you got in the fifth round. A lot to like, a lot that makes you nervous, and the question is ultimately going to become, can Zampezi, the quarterback's coach, and Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, develop him. And this is a super hard challenge in the NFL. There's just not time. You have practice reps that you need to, to get through, and they need to be given to your starter so that he can work. And it's up to Sam Howell and the individual drills and when running the scout team to work on those things. Like, he's got to do both. He's probably going to get the scout team reps. So he will get a fair amount of team reps, not necessarily running the system that Scott Turner is running here, but running an NFL system with NFL players and against an NFL defense. And so can he take what he does in the individual drills, working on things like in the kind of the two thirds of the way through that report, it talked about marrying his feet to his hands and, and to his, his timing and his rhythm. Can he understand the timing and rhythm of an NFL offense and get the footwork right in scout team drills? You work on an individual. It's easy there. It's a super controlled environment. The drill is designed for you to succeed. There's no defense. There's no rush. It is merely do the, if I were to tell you like, hey, you got to clap one, two, three. Right. That's easy. But now we're doing that on the run. And I need you to also tell me, uh, the address of the, the apartment that you lived at three apartments ago while you clap one, two, three, like that becomes a significantly harder task. Cause you're like one, 23. Oh, that was four claps. And also I lived at one twenty four. insert street number apartment, blah, blah, blah here. Right. And that's what playing quarterback is. You have to be able to keep the rhythm, keep the timing and make decisions and process information and avoid the big giant guy who's trying to kill you. And so, without the live bullets of the big giant guys trying to kill him uh, because he's going to be in a yellow jersey, he has got to continue to develop on those other things so that when it, when it comes time to play in a real game, uh, and of course the commanders are hoping this is not for years, then he's ready. And if that's the case, if he develops, if he puts in the work, which the intangibles and all that stuff seems to be there, then... Maybe, maybe he does become a starter in this league, in which case that fifth-round pick was more than well spent. Uh, what does his coach say? Uh, Phil Longo was on with Grant and Danny a little earlier today, quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at North Carolina. We'll get his thoughts on Sam Howell. Not just, I mean, a lot of praise, but did have some, some things that he's curious to find out too. Uh, so I, I think it's worth your, your time, worth your listen. Play those clips for you next. Craig Hoffman with you on Overtime here on The Fan.
Craig Hoffman with you on 1067 The Fam. Sam Howell going to the Washington Commanders. I think, Donald, I'm starting to finally get used to it. Maybe it was, it. You know, we had the uh, the period there. Obviously, we had the announcement. We are the Commanders. We had Craig Melvin's uh, reaction to the announcement. <laughs> and, then, and then we had like that awkward time period where like, they haven't done anything as the Commanders yet, except for announce that they're the Commanders. Everything that we're talking about was last year when they were the Washington football team or previously, but now that they've like actually had a draft underneath them, we are the commanders. I finally feel like normal saying that term. I don't know if, if that changed for you at all over the, over this weekend in the draft. Yeah. I was going to say like now to your point, now that things are more solidified, we've gone through our first draft under that name. It's starting to roll off the tongue a little bit more for me too. I wonder if that's like a, a substance thing or a, a time thing. It's probably a combination of both. Yeah. Probably pro- a little bit of both. Yeah. Because even when they first changed to Washington football team, that took a while. And then I feel like people got used to that. So I think these things take some time. Yeah. We had that real locker. We're all like, ah, the football team. And then by the end, we're like, I kind of used to saying the football team. Yeah. When so. they changed to the commanders, people actually were like, you know, they had gotten so used to football team that they actually wanted to stick with it. So yeah, I think some of these things just take time. Yeah, I mentally was sticking with it. I was like, Washington, the football team. It's like, they have a name now. Remember, Craig. We are the commanders. Right. Thanks, Doug. Uh, but Sam Howell goes to the commanders in the fifth round. And uh, earlier today on Grant and Danny, Phil Longo, who is the uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at University of North Carolina, where Howell obviously played the last three years. He was a three-year starter, super productive. We went over that. Uh, he was on with, with Grant Danny, and they asked him a couple of different things that I thought were interesting. One, there's this comparison that keeps wanting to be made to, uh, or to Baker Mayfield, and Grant has this theory that because Mayfield is like untouchable. By the way, that's something else that amazed me about this weekend. No Garoppolo move, no Mayfield move. You have the, uh, the Hollywood Brown trade and the A.J. Brown uh, trade, and obviously that Hollywood trade becomes even more important with the breaking news today. If you if you missed it, uh, whether you missed the alerts on your phone or you know been in the office all day and you're just getting your car to go home, uh, long Monday for you sucks. But if that's you, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals suspended six games for PEDs. Um, so good thing they traded for another number one receiver. Uh, Kyler Murray goes from. Very sad, uh, or very happy to probably pretty sad about this DeAndre Hopkins news. Um, but anyway, you don't, you know, because Mayfield is like persona non grata, it seems like right now around the league, nobody wants to trade for him, you know, and then all the comparisons come into Mayfield. Is that part of the reason why Howell fell? And uh, Phil Longo, again, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at UNC, says, no, not really. Uh, that's, that's not the right comparison anyway. There's another understatured guy, if you will, smaller statured guy who he thinks is a better comparison. And that's, uh, that's Drew Brees. And he's going to the hall of fame. The skill set that Sam has is, uh, is really almost identical to that of Drew Brees, you know, and I, and I had an opportunity to talk to Drew about that when he covered our Notre game, Notre Dame game this year. Um, he, he actually agreed, I, you know, size wise, Sam's probably a little thicker at this point. Um, but, Height, they're about the same. Their pocket mobility, they both have the ability to 
extend plays. Neither one of them is going to rush for a thousand yards in the NFL, but um, both of them are mobile enough to extend the play when they have to. You know, and obviously Drew Brees' career goes without saying. So I'm not, I'm not saying that Sam will be the next Drew Brees, but from a skill set standpoint. He can throw the way he does. He's compact. He's quick trigger. He's incredible accuracy. He's an elite deep ball thrower. He can make any throw on the field. He can throw off platform. Um, And he's obsessed with preparing. He's obsessed with the X's and O's. And, you know, we got so far down the line in terms of his progress when he first got to North Carolina that in years two and years three of preparation for each season, Sam and I watched – countless hours of film calling our offense against the NFL defenses. And I did that just to feed his hunger and to keep him progressing and to keep expanding the knowledge base from a football standpoint overall. And and I, I think you're getting an elite guy with regards to prepping for games. He'll be ready to play regardless of when his number is called. Being ready to play mentally and being able to do it physically are two very different things, but you absolutely cannot do the latter if you don't do the former first. And so that's super encouraging. Um, I mean, it's, it's just really, really, really exciting, I think, if you're a Commanders fan, to know, one, you're getting a great fit in the quarterback room. And there are guys, and like now we get to see his, his intelligence on television every day, um, but like Dan Orlovsky played 12 years in the NFL and he barely played. The reason why is he was awesome in a meeting room. And he could have then probably either gone down a coaching path or obviously he he winds up uh, kind of starting his own media career on Twitter um, and turns out he's great as a media person. And you watch him on ESPN doing all kinds of stuff, um, whether it's the studio shows or the game analysis. So you can, I mean, for Sam Howe, forget the commanders for a second, like he can have a decade-long career not playing a ton if he just prepares and is smart and is a good addition to a quarterback room. And you obviously get more and more practice reps and, you know, Maybe this is not any who anyone wants to hear, certainly in Washington, but you have a guy like Colt McCoy who, at the end of last year, keeps Arizona afloat because he's been in the league 10 years, is really, really smart, can still play a little bit, um, was never probably going to be great. Obviously, the, the his entire career changed with that injury uh, in college and then some weird stuff that happened here uh, in the NFL. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you at the very least got a quarterback who's going to work his butt off, prepare every single day, add to your meeting room, and and maybe he's your backup of the future in the fifth round, that's still a pretty good draft pick, if we're being honest. How many fifth-round guys are backups? Most of them. So if he winds up just being a long-term backup, great. Uh, More from Phil Longo on his character, which I think plays in everything we were just talking about as well. Get a guy that's going to be more prepared on Sunday. One. Two. He can make every throw on the field. Um, and, and then he's just incredibly accurate. So, you know, the, the thing that you don't see sometimes is, uh, and I always say this, he's, he's, you never know when he's winning big or losing big. You know, he's the same all the time. And he, he's really just unflappable. He's not, you're not going to rattle him with a hit or, or an interception or anything like that. He, he really is going to be the same guy the next play or the next drive or the next game out because he really doesn't let a lot bother him. He doesn't get overly emotional. That way there aren't a lot of emotional highs and lows. He's very, very focused. As long as that stoicism doesn't dip into being disconnected, that's an amazing trait for a quarterback. 
You want a guy that's going to celebrate with his teammates. Like, if you can get high without getting too low, that's ideal. You want to be able to get up, get excited, be a, a leader in that way. You know, you want to be able to celebrate with your teammates. But, like, I mean, Peyton Manning was super competitive and connected and all of those things. I mean, give you the fist pump and celebrate, but was also the kind of guy that was like, yeah, I just, you know, I, if I score, I'm going to hand the ball to the ref, you know, and, and I'm going to pat my teammates on the helmet. We're not going to go out and, you know, it's not even about like, hey, I'm going to go do crazy dances. And obviously that's, that wasn't Peyton Manning's skill set, <laughs> to say the least. But like, you know, are you, are you going to be running around like Cam Newton? If you, that's, that's not a bad thing to celebrate like Cam Newton, as long as there's no downside on the other end. Um, you know, if you're, if you're Peyton Manning, you're just fine. It sounds like Sam Howe obviously is a lot more like, like Peyton in that regard. Um, or, or the quarterbacks with that personality. I hate, that's a thing. What well, Donald, why do we do that? Why do we always go to like the best guy? I could have just as easily said Kirk Cousins, although Kirk, Kirk <laughs> occasionally does dip into the dancing. He can go there. And actually that's a better comparison. If your teammates want to dance as a quarterback, sometimes you just got to be ready to dance. Yeah, I don't know why we always uh, <laughs> jump to the to the top comparison there. I guess that's just where our mind goes. But to your point about Kirk, I think that's a good point. That's a good balance right there. Like Kirk obviously has shown emotion in the past, but he's also can be very stoic as well. So I think that's a good good middle ground comparison right there. Yeah, I, I think your quarterback needs to be a little bit of the bellwether for your team. Um, but at the same time, you need to have – like I will say at times, like there were people that were like, yeah, I don't – like Kirk's a little out there, a little disconnected. And so you, you gotta, you gotta find a balance there. And it feels like at times he's really had that well in Minnesota while at other times, uh, obviously they've, there, there's been all kinds of, it's been, it's been a wild ride for cousins since he left. It was a wild ride where he was here. Um, but you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, and by the way, in a locker room of 53, when you're one of 53 and all eyes are on you in a way that's different for the, from the rest of the 53 as a quarterback, that can be, uh, that can be an interesting dynamic as well. All right, when we get back, uh, why does Phil Longo, uh, the quarterback's uh, coach and offensive coordinator at North Carolina, think that Sam Howell find up falling to the fifth round? You know, obviously likes the guy a lot, uh, coached him for three years, and, and you just heard what he had to say about him. So why does he think he ultimately fell to the fifth round? Uh, a little bit more from Coach Longo and, and some more thoughts uh, from you. If you'd like to chime in, now's the time, 800 636 1067 before we switch gears at the top of the hour. Talk a little hockey with Stephen Wino, little hoops with Howard Beck. That's all still to come on overtime here on the fan. Craig Hoffman with you on overtime on 1067 the fan, uh, the fan the Odyssey app. Uh, talking about Sam Howell. 800-636-1067. Are you a fan of this draft pick? What do you think of the player? What do you think of using a fifth-round pick for a team that needs so much? You drafted a guy who's not going to play this year, and I think that's kind of the one criticism you can also you can always give of drafting quarterback, but it's kind of the, also the only way to get him. Like, you're just, unless a quarterback decides to leave, like Drew Brees did, and the reason San Diego let Breeze go, like it was kind of a Peyton Manning situation where like Manning got hurt in a way that the Colts got the number one pick in a draft where Andrew Luck was available 
And I was like, well, we don't know how you're going to come back. We know this kid's supposed to be great. So we're going to go with the kid. And the same was true in Los Angeles or in uh, San Diego. Chargers had Breeze. They had taken him in the second round. He gets a really nasty shoulder injury. And he had not, like, he had started to play really well, but certainly not what he was and ultimately became in New Orleans. And then Breeze becomes a free agent. And the crazy thing is, like, he was going to sign in Miami. And the medical staff said, no, the shoulder's too screwed up, if I'm remembering the story correctly. And then, uh, obviously, he signs in New Orleans, pairs with Sean Payton. That works out quite well for the both of them. But unless you're going to have a situation like that where a quarterback who is really good has something weird happen and leaves, or you have like a Russell Wilson situation where you're going to have to give up immense amounts of assets to acquire him in a trade, the only way to get a quarterback is to draft one. Because like your other option is you you get like a Jameis Winston. I'm not even talking about Winston this year coming off the ACL. Winston last year coming off of not being re-signed in Tampa because he wasn't good. Like Jameis Winston is one of the best quarterbacks to hit the free agent market in that way in a long time because quarterbacks get extended. They're, they're, they don't just come out on the market if they're good. They get extended. They get the money that they want and they stay with the team that they're with. And so, like, the best quarterbacks that you're ever going to be able to sign are your Jameis Winstons, your Ryan Tannehill, who's worked out great uh, in Tennessee. These guys just don't move that often. The guys that are truly great don't move that often and don't become available unless there's a massive risk and a significant investment. So if you want to get a quarterback, you kind of got to draft one. And that involves that risk of, hey, we could have taken another linebacker, another receiver, another depth guy on the O-line, uh, someone who could definitely play special teams for us and, and have an impact for our football team immediately. And that criticism, it's like you would never draft a quarterback unless you're taking one in the first round who's going to start immediately, and obviously that comes with its own set of risks. So why did Sam Howell ultimately drop like he did? I think there's a lot of different factors. One, I, don't, I just don't think a lot of teams need quarterbacks. So you get to the point where all these, all the top guys get pushed down. And then, of course, that meets the fact these quarterbacks aren't that good. It's prospects. And all of a sudden, Sam Howell's available in the fifth round. And you go, wait, this guy was a first-round pick coming into the year. We get him in the fifth? Sweet. Why does Phil Longo, uh, who is his offensive coordinator at UNC, think that he fell? This is what he told Grant and Danny earlier today. You know, it's hard for me to to speculate why he wasn't drafted higher. I just, I know this, y'all got a really good one. And, you know, it, I'm not on 32 staff, so I, I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know how they ranked them. The only reason I was a little surprised was because the feedback from scouts and coaches was really a very positive one. And a lot of the teams seemed very excited about him. And so, what I can't tell you is what what is their need and what order do they have everybody and why they take who they take. I, I just think at the end of the day, and I'm biased because he was my quarterback, but I think Sam may be one of those guys where they're they're doing the 30 for 30, talking about he was a fifth-round draft pick and look where he is now. Obviously high praise from Phil Longo. And look, college coaches are always going to be biased. They should be. Like they, they should give what they see. Um, you know, and, and it's – 
seems genuine, but also like there's a there's a there's a recruiting element to that. You can't go out and being like, ah, you know, we had him for three years and we think he's going to be okay. He's, yeah, he'll be lucky to start a game. <laughs> like, it's not what you're going to get. But what I appreciated in listening uh, to Longo today, and again, if you want that full interview, one, you can check out the Grand Danny podcast. Uh, two, anytime within 24 hours, for any segment, anything that you miss, on any show on our station or any of our, our sister and brother stations, if you will, uh, you can go on the Odyssey app and you can hit rewind. So if you, you rewind to the five uh, o'clock segment, five o'clock on the dot segment today, Grand Danny, you can listen right now. Uh, then come back to us live or however you want to do it. Um, but just go to the Odyssey app or go to the app store, download it, and use that rewind feature to, to check out the full interview. But one of the things I appreciated about it was you know, there was a level of honesty that said like, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be ready to start right away. Like we did a lot of RPO type of stuff. You know, he's got, he's got that skill set that we gave him and we used it in a certain way for our advantage. But you know, I, I thought was actually funny is Grant and Danny asked him, I don't remember which, which, which of them asked, but one of them asked, you know, well, what's he, what's he got to learn? Like, what is it about Washington system? How will he fit? And, and Longo goes, I don't know yet, but I'm going to know by the end of the weekend because I'm going to spend all week watching Washington film and be able to figure it out. And to me, that speaks to their relationship that obviously Sam Howell is going to be spending, you know, by the end of the week, uh, he will have gone through rookie minicamp. So he will get a little bit of a taste of a playbook, et cetera, um, from the coaches that are going to be coaching him. But it speaks well to the relationship that, you know, Longo is going to be able to, to help him out. He's be able to go back to his college offensive coordinator, and that offensive coordinator is going to take time out of his busy schedule to dive into his pro playbook and be like, "Hey, here's the things that I see." And you know, while that may seem a little off in some ways, because you're like, "Wait, but you're not you're not the coach." Coaching is twofold. Coaching is knowledge, and coaching is connection. And they've already got a great relationship. Phil Longo knows how to coach Sam Howe. So if he can acquire the knowledge, whereas, you know, on the other side of it, like Ken Zampezi, who's, who's coaching uh, quarterbacks here in D.C., knows the playbook, obviously, knows how he likes to coach his quarterbacks, obviously, but doesn't know Sam Howell. And so if he can get that extra coaching and get that extra guidance and help speed along that process, um, I think that speaks well. And obviously, uh, you know, the fact that they spend a lot of hours together, that that Howell's work ethic is is that kind of you know, that kind of level, I think speaks well to him as well. All right. When we get back, we have a loaded final hour of the show. We're going to go in, in some different directions. Uh, appreciate everybody, you know, on, on all the tweets and everything on the commander's talk. Again, if you want to follow on Twitter at Craig Hoffman on Instagram at Craig underscore Hoffman. But uh, next up, Stephen Wino, AP hockey writer is going to join us talk about the NHL playoffs. Um, it's an interesting season for the NHL record scoring. Uh, first time that, that, that the league is not on NBC, obviously all season long. And, and what has he seen from ESPN and Turner as we head towards the playoffs? Uh, the caps play tomorrow night. Of course, each and every capitals playoff game is right here on one Oh six, seven, the fan on the television. It'll that series uh, with Florida starts on ESPN two tomorrow. So I wanted to ask why a little bit about that as, as a national guy, but also as someone who's based in DC and, and mostly covers the caps. Uh, we obviously got into the Washington, Florida series as well so that's next and then Howard Beck is going to join us uh tremendous longtime NBA writer uh Sports Illustrated and the crossover podcast uh he's going to join us to talk about what's going on in Golden State uh and their uh, 
you know, resurgence, I guess, uh, is fair after the down year that they had last year. And also, this technical fouls in the flagrant foul situation. Have we have we gone a bridge too far after seeing the Draymond Green injection yesterday? That's with Howard coming up at 9.15. Uh, post more of your phone calls and tweets and, you know, who knows what happens by the time we get to 10 o'clock. Craig Hoffman with you for one more hour here on Overtime on The Fan.